will be here the following Sunday. Go to Matthew chapter 8 with me. Matthew chapter 8. And um, I want to take a look at a subject that's pretty common, pretty common for our church, pretty common for most believers. I mean, you can't even get into the kingdom. You can't even be born again without this topic. We're going to talk a little bit about faith. Um, but, you know, I, I think we have heard a lot about getting more faith, increasing our faith. And I think there's something that we need less of. I, I think that it's important to increase our faith and grow in our faith and develop our faith. And we'll see that today. But I believe there's also a dynamic that we need to decrease in as well. And here in Matthew chapter 8, we're going to start with verse 23. Start with verse 23. We've seen this story before. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. You might want to be careful who you're following and where you're following them. You know, it's interesting because I was kind of, I always like to read before and after the passage because that gives you context. Uh, if you know anything about Bible study or Bible, uh, you know, interpretation, it's important to keep things in context. So you always want to go a little bit before and a little bit after. Know about your chapter, know about your book that it's in, know about the, the testament it's in, right? Because I can't translate uh, the, the book of Romans according to the book of Leviticus. not going to work. We're talking about two completely different things there. But you keep them in the right testament, and then you keep them in context of the word of God itself. Because thank God that he didn't pick a bunch of guys that would disagree with each other, right? I, I mean... you. You can't show me another book on the face of the planet where you can where you can compile forty something authors and sixty six books, and all of them agree with each other. There's no other book on the face of the planet that can do that. Amen. Only the Word can do. Why? Because it's many different authors, but it's through one Spirit. One Spirit. So uh, I like to read a little bit before, and it's funny because. Uh, in my Bible, I have a New King James, and it gives these cool little headings. In verses 18 through 22, it's titled, The Cost of Discipleship. And Jesus is talking about what it's going to cost to follow him. He's talking about, you know, he has a young man come to him and say, hey, I want to follow you. And he says, whoa, you don't understand. Birds have nests. I don't even have a place to lay my own head. Uh, another guy says, well, let me go and bury my father first. And Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. You He's talking about the price that you're going to pay. And then the very next verse, after he says all that, what it's going to cost to follow me, it says that Jesus got into a boat and his disciples followed him. <laughs> so I throw that out there. Be careful who you're following and what you're following. But they followed him into the boat. And suddenly, suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. That's a storm. So that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Capital H, Jesus. Now I'm not going to talk about peace, but I'm very aware of what's going on in our nation and around our world right now. And, and, and I see our world uh, as these gentlemen that are in this boat. The waves are covering but notice that the disciples and Jesus are in the same boat, covered by the same waves, with the same storm surrounding them. We have two different responses, 
two different positions. We got some guys that are scrambling around trying to figure out how they're going to stay alive, and you got one guy that's asleep. And I want to tell you, as we have a storm arising around us as I speak, thank you, God, for that natural. He's doing some show and tell right now. Um, um, you know, I, I believe as Christians we need to be a picture of, of something that's solid. We're on a rock. We're firm. Um, back in June, I think it was, I, I ministered a series called Immovable. Talked about the kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I actually did that into, in response to some things that were taking place in our nation. And then it just seemed like every week something was happening in the month of June that was like, here's why we're talking. Here's why we're looking at this. Because you and I are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I don't care what the government does. I don't care who's president. I don't care who's in charge. I don't care where the military is. I don't care what their economic status or health care status is. We are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You have a better economic system. That he has supplied you with all riches according to his glory. You have a better health care system that by his stripes you were healed, past tense, already taken care of. I don't care how good your insurance is. They can't come to you and say, hey, I, I, I know what the doctor said, but we already got that taken care of. They're just going to tell you how much it's going to cost to take care of it. And Jesus has said, I've already paid the price. Amen. That's the kingdom that we belong to. We have a king that wasn't voted in and can't be voted out. He will always be king forever. Amen. And you and I reign and rule with him. So with that being said, um, you, you notice that Jesus is asleep. Now, I would call that peace. He's at peace. Notice you can be at peace in the midst of chaos. In the midst of chaos. I mean, there was some chaos, some craziness. I was periscoping a few people um, on Saturday night after the, the, the Paris attacks took place. If you don't know what periscope is, that's basically a live feed that anybody can give you at any time. They can throw their phone up and just start recording and start filming. You can watch it live, and um, it, it sits out there for a little while. And, and so I went on and just was following some people that were periscoping as it was happening. I mean, you know, cops and ambulances going by, police everywhere, just utter chaos. And it's, it's, it's interesting to note that even in the midst of a situation like that, we can be at peace. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It can be going on right around you in your own backyard. But peace is the presence of faith. It's not the absence of trouble, but it's the presence of faith. It's what I believe in that's stronger than what I see. It's what I believe and place my trust in. Uh, and, and that's an encouragement to, the, to me in, in spite of all the discouraging things that are happening around me. That's peace. And so Jesus is in the midst of the storm, just like his disciples. The boat is covered with waves. I mean, I don't know what kind of boat this is. I, I, I've never really studied the history of what these boats look like. But I, I, I've got to imagine that if, he, if he's in the boat sleeping, he's got to at least be getting wet or something. I mean, they don't have, like, Under Armour jackets back then that keep you waterproof, you know, in the midst of these things. Doesn't have, you know, one of Pastor Caleb's tents set up in the corner somewhere just guarding him and shielding him from everything. 
I mean, you got to imagine that he's being hit and touched by this somehow in some way, yet he's asleep. He's asleep. Now, let's keep on going here. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Now, look at those words. Lord, save us. We are perishing. Anybody ever been in that situation where you feel like I've got no way out and you're crying out to Jesus, right? I mean, who else are you going to cry out to? But look at Jesus' response after they wake him up. Verse 26, but he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Now, for the longest time, and I don't know about you, you might be more spiritual than me, but for the longest time I looked at this verse and I always thought that he was condemning them for not having any faith. But it seems to me, That they're in faith. I mean, if you came to me and you were perishing, you're in a dire need. There's a situation going on in your life. And I would tell you to do exactly like the disciples. Go to Jesus. Right? Lord, save me. And they come. I mean, it's not like they're they're coming to Jesus and saying, wake up. We're about to, uh, you know, they're saying, you know, we're perishing. This is the situation. But it's not like they've just given up and just said, all right, will you come, you know, hold hands with us and sing kumbaya until this storm rips our boat apart. I mean, they're going to him for help in faith, believing that he can do something about it, right? I mean, they're going to the right person. They've got the right heart. I can't do anything about this. I need you. I mean, isn't this what we preach as the church, that you can't do it without Jesus? You need Jesus. You can't get out of that financial situation without Jesus. You can't Get that marriage to work without God. You can't get uh, those relationships and and, and that job to come into alignment uh, without Jesus. You go to Jesus. But then he rebukes them. He gives them two things. Number one, he says, why are you fearful? Or why are you full of fear? Number one, he tells them, why are you full of fear? Why are you fearful? And then... The second thing, he says they have little faith. They have little faith. So they have some faith, but it's little. Little faith. So why are you fearful, oh, you of little faith? Now, the reason why this bothers me, and if you'll go to Matthew chapter 17, you'll see it. Little faith. Little faith. The reason why this verse was bothering me was because, you know, number one, I believe that they went to the right source. If you're perishing, if you're struggling, go to Jesus. That's what you need to do. And then he rebukes them. He gives them two things. He says, why are you fearful? And why do you have little faith? In Matthew chapter 17, we start with, Where do we start? In verse 14. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. See, I study all this out in a different Bible. And so I I know where it's at on the page in that Bible. And then I get over here to this little thing because it's just easier to preach out of it in my big study Bible. And 
I'm looking for it on the page, and I'm like, what? what's going on here? That's not where it was earlier today. All right, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? I mean, Jesus just sounds irritated here. He's like, are you kidding me? Another one? I got to do another one? What are these no good disciples up to? How long shall I bear with you? I mean, you don't want to hear those words. How long shall I bear with you? Bring them here to me. I mean, you can just sense the frustration. Just bring them over here. Let me, let me see them. I'll take care of it. And Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. But the disciples, they're not, they're not done. They're going to push the agenda a little more. And what, what was the problem? I've got to know what was going on. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And look at Jesus' response. Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, a mustard seed, that's not very big. It's very small. Um, You might call it little. And he says, if you have faith like that, you can move mountains. But yet, in Matthew chapter 8, he told his disciples, you have little faith. So I'm getting caught in between. I'm, I'm like, hold on a minute, Jesus. You said all I needed was little faith, <laughs> right? That's all I needed. You told me all I needed was mustard seed faith, and I can move mountains. And here we are in the boat, about to sink, about to lose our lives. And now you're condemning me for the very thing that you said, that's all I needed. Little faith. But... Going back to Matthew chapter 8, now keep your finger in Matthew 17. I I was too late. You've already turned, haven't you? You've already lost it. Matthew chapter 8, he gives them two things. He says, why are you fearful? Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. A couple things I want to point out. Number one, maybe it's not the faith that's the problem. Maybe it's what we're accompanying the faith with. Because, Jimmy, throw back uh, Matthew 17 and verse 20, I believe it is we need. Matthew 17, verse 20. And look what he says here. Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, because of your unbelief. For a certain, now, I've always read that as unbelief is the lack of faith. But what he's saying here is it's not your faith that's the problem. It's the doubt accompanying the faith. Come on, follow me here. It's not the faith that's the problem. It's what you're bringing alongside the faith that's the problem. And this is what I want to show you tonight, that maybe the faith isn't the problem. Maybe it's what we're bringing alongside uh, you have 
a fearful problem, oh, you of little faith. And then he comes over here and says, little faith is all you need. Little faith. Now, this word little does not mean quantity. It means quality. He's talking about the quality of their faith, not how much faith they have. See, we've been preaching, you've got to have more faith, you've got to have more faith, you've got to more. In fact, this word little, uh, we, we could better translate it undeveloped. Undeveloped. Just, it's immature. It's immature faith. Undeveloped faith. We've got to develop and strengthen. Uh, you've heard me use this on many occasions. Your faith is like your muscles. So everybody in this room has muscles. You have them. They're there. Whether you've developed them or not is up to you. And we have all developed those muscles to greater and lesser degrees. Amen? Okay. So he's not talking about the quantity of how much. We don't read little faith as in you just have a little bit. It's, it's the development or the maturity of your faith. And it's what's accompanying the faith that is the problem. That's what we're trying to look at here. So Jesus isn't questioning their faith because they came to him in faith. They had a little bit of faith. They had undeveloped faith. Because if they had no faith at all, they wouldn't have gone to him. They would have woken him up and just said, hey, we're dying. You got any last words? I mean, you've been pretty good with all these word things, and you got anything you just want to share with us real quick before we all lose it here? <laughs> no, they're coming to him because they know you can do something about this. They're coming to him because we've seen the miracles. We've seen the things you've done. We've seen the, 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 the things that you have worked uh, in your ministry. And so we need you right now. You got fishermen that know the seas, that know uh, uh, water, that know what it's like being in a boat. They've been through some storms before. So this one's pretty bad that it's beyond our skill level. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've gotten in a situation that you've always felt pretty comfortable in, and now you're having to rely on Jesus, but that's where these disciples are. Man, I, usually I know my way around this, but this one's bigger than what I'm used to, so I'm going to Jesus. But... There's still some fear. There's still some fear. Over in Matthew chapter 17, there was an unbelief issue. He said, why, why couldn't we make this work? What's the difference between us and, and you? What's the difference between that man bringing his son to us and getting the miracle versus you just instantly praying for him? The demon comes out, and he's good from that hour. What's the difference? He says, your unbelief. Not your faith, because all you need is faith of a mustard seed, but it's the unbelief coupled. Watch this in James chapter 1. Watch this in James chapter 1. Does it mean my faith is bad? No. Nothing wrong with your faith. We just got to get some stuff out of it. In James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, 
who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now watch this. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. Did you know that you could be in faith and still doubt? And that's exactly what happened with the disciples in the boat. That's exactly what happened with the disciples when they were uh, uh, had the opportunity to heal this man's son. And that's exactly what James is identifying here. He says, in faith, with no doubting. Now, faith takes place in the heart. But doubt takes place in the mind. And the thing that you have to conquer in those situations that are unpeaceful, the thing that you have to conquer, uh, you've got the faith here. You know God's word. You know he's the healer. You've heard the scriptures a million times. You know that he's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You, I mean, you, you can recite them. You know where to find them. You've got them taped on your car, on your dash. You're, you're quoting them. But where's the doubt? It's right here in the mind. It's right here in the head. And your head's whipping your heart every time. The head's, be, the head's winning. He says, let him ask in faith with no doubting. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. I was listening to a minister last year talk about talk on this subject, and, and he uh, uh, used the reference of gold. He said gold is as valuable, or, or, or the gold itself is as valuable as it will ever be. But there's impurities in the gold, and the more valuable the gold becomes is de- dependent upon how many of the impurities you get out. See, your faith is as strong as it will ever be. Your faith is as much as it will ever be. Now, yes, we have to grow it, we have to develop it, we have to encourage it, but the more you get the dirt, the dirt out, the doubt out, get the doubt remover out and start sucking that out of there, and you're going to have a more viable faith, a cleaner faith, a more valuable faith. This is what we're looking at today sometimes uh maybe what we're not maybe the battle that we're fighting we're just going in the wrong direction we're trying to strengthen our faith but we haven't done anything with the doubt we're trying to strengthen our belief system but we haven't taken care of all the what ifs and i don't know and are you sure and if god will and when we get rid of those scenarios then our faith can truly act and truly work on our behalf. This is what we're trying to identify today. It's not the quantity of our faith, it's the quality. We don't need more faith, we need developed faith. We don't need more faith, we need developed faith. The Bible tells us that we've all been given a measure of faith. Everyone. You've got the faith. You've got the faith. Uh, when, when, when I uh, meet with people that are going through something or that they're struggling with something, I, I'm coming to them most of the time with the pretense that they have what it takes. They just need some strengthening and some encouraging in that area. 
They just need to be strengthened. I mean, most of the time when I talk to people, let's say we're talking about a marriage, or say we're trying to go over some financial stuff, or, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're just struggling with an addiction or something. Usually, I end up telling them a bunch of stuff they already know. <laughs> I mean, 90% of the things that are coming out of my mouth, the person on the other side is, is sitting across from me going, yeah, I know, I know. And either you just haven't activated it or you haven't strengthened it in a while. Really, I'm just like the guy in the gym. I'm just spotting you. You're pushing the weight, man. Right, Travis? You're pushing the weight. Y'all heard Travis's testimony recently? He was pushing the weight. I'm just there. Imagine me spotting Travis. That's a weird. (laughs) He might have to spot me physically, but I was spotting him spiritually. And I'm standing over the weight saying, man, you got this. You got this. Come on. It's in you. It's in you. And I'm there to help him catch it. If, if it falls, if, he, if it starts to go backwards, I can grab that thing and start pulling on a little bit. Right? 90% of the time, all you need is just to be strengthened in the area. You already know the word. I'm talking to the Wednesday night crew right now. You're here because you know the word. You're here because you're hungry. Right? I'm talking to my Wednesday night people. That we just need to be strengthened in something. And I got one more for you. We don't need more faith. We need less doubt. I think that's what God's trying to show us tonight. You've been focusing on the faith. You've been developing your faith. You've been... You've been strengthening, man. You, I know you've been in the Word. I know that you believe God. I mean, yeah, there's days where you're thinking, man, I just don't know how this is going to happen. But you bounce back. You say, no, I got this. But it's the, it's the doubt. If we can get those impurities out, if we, can, if we can shrug those things off and say, no, I'm not fearful. Both times we saw it, it was fearful and unbelief. Well, fear is the result of doubt. If you doubt, it'll lead to fear. You wouldn't have any reason to fear if you weren't in doubt. You can't be in faith and in fear at the same time. But that doubt creeps in. Right? It's like Peter when he was walking on the water. The next scenario, you, you, you would think that after the first time they'd have this thing figured out, right? Say, okay, it's a storm. We're in a boat. And Jesus told us to cross the other side. This thing is going to end. Right? I mean, we, we, we've already seen the template for this thing. And so here comes Jesus walking out of the water, and they're all scared. And then Peter throws out his little, uh, if that's really you, bid me to come out. And he gets out on the water, and he's walking on the water. You can knock Peter all you want, but he walked on the water. He's walking. But then what happened? When he saw the waves and the storm. He began to sink. That's where the sinking shows up. That's where the, the, the decline takes place. That's where the struggle starts to happen. Is it, It's not in the faith. He didn't all of a sudden have, have less faith. He coupled his faith with doubt. He coupled his faith with fear. So tonight, that's where I want to encourage us. That's what I want us to see. That God... Has given you a measure of faith. God has given you a level of faith. The faith is there. Encourage yourself with that tonight. I'm here to encourage you tonight. You have the faith to make it through. Let's take care of the doubt 
Let's get all those what ifs out. I'm going to tell you right now, without getting on to a whole other point, doubt and fear, or doubt and faith feed. What does that mean? That means whatever you're hearing, whatever you're giving attention to, they will feed off of that. Faith doesn't get strong on accident, and doubt doesn't get strong on accident. You're feeding it from some source. Something's feeding the doubt and saying, I don't know, what if, are you sure? But something has to feed your faith too. Get in God's word. Feed your faith and your doubts will die. Feed your faith and your doubts will die. Feed the faith. Feed the faith. Look at your neighbor and say, feed the faith. Feed the faith. Chase, if you come up. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can feed our faith tonight. Strengthen ourselves on the inside, Father. I thank you. Those that are here tonight, I thank you for their hearts to be here, to hear your word. Even on a Wednesday night, a wet, rainy, tiring Wednesday night, that they've come out to feed their faith, to strengthen their belief system, to strengthen themselves in your word, to strengthen themselves in what you can do. So, Father, I thank you tonight that we receive this encouragement. It uplifts us. It surrounds us in the midst of the trials and the troubles, in the midst of the storms and the discouraging things that we see in our world. Father, I thank you that we can place our faith and our trust in you. Even when the storms are surrounding us, the water's getting in the boat, we can be at peace. We can have a calmness about us. We're not frantic. We're not in panic. Father, we operate by faith. We operate by faith. We operate by faith. I want to take a moment right now. Father, I thank you for the people of Paris, France. Father, we surround them right now by the Holy Spirit with comfort, peace. Your love is protecting them and surrounding them. Father, as a nation that has been through terrorist attacks ourselves, Father, we know the pain, not just even to the loved ones that have been close, but to know that something can come to your own country that's so hateful, so hurtful. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit can transcend time, transcend geographic location, and even demographic. Even though we have a different culture and a different way of living, Father, we know that that you have no lines, you have no boundaries. And so we just pray right now that your Holy Spirit will surround the people of that city and the people of that nation. Guard them and protect them. Father, I thank you for our country and I thank you for our president. That you give him wisdom, supernatural, spiritual wisdom to combat this thing properly. It's amazing how even when something happens across the ocean, people still look to the nation of the United States of America. What will we do and how will we respond? Because we play that type of role in what happens in the world. So for our national leaders and our government, our military, 
Father, I thank you for wisdom, discernment. Father, I thank you that you place the right people across their paths to help them make the right decisions in these times. Father, I thank you that you'll give us a heart of understanding. Times like this, it's so easy to mock, so easy to cut down, talk negatively. Father, we, as your church, not just American citizens, but your church in the kingdom of God, kingdom citizens, we take our rightful place. What we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We use our words to build up, not destroy. We use our words to pray for, not pray against. Father, I thank you that we will rise up as a church in these last days. Thank you that we will take our stand, take our place. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We declare these things and call these things to be so. In the name of Jesus, amen.